Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of Design EDU Today, the podcast series discussing topics concerning the state of interactive design education at institutions of higher learning. I am your host, Gary Rosance, Assistant Professor of Graphic Design at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Today's guest is Julia Zeltzer. Uh, Julia is a founding partner and creative director at HyperAct with over 15 years of design experience in print, brand development, visualizations, and interactive media. Julia has been instrumental in establishing HyperAct's visual voice. Julia leads a multidisciplinary team of designers in a wide range of assignments. She has advised clients such as ACLU, Ford Foundation, and UNICEF to extend their brand in print and interactive media. Julia initiated and leads lunch talks at HyperAct, a monthly event to ignite collaboration and idea sharing among the design community. Julia has received accolades from organizations such as Society of Illustrators, Communication Arts, Brand New, and How Magazine for her design work. She was born in Ukraine and graduated from Parsons, the new school of design in New York. She lives with her husband, Lenny, and her two kids in Park Slope. Welcome, Julia. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm excited to have you. But before I start the discussion with you, um, I wanted to mention today's episode. This is for the listeners. I want to mention today's episode is special to me because it represents the halfway point in my research project in regards to the number of episodes I want to produce. While I may keep going beyond the initial plan, which is 26, this seemed like a perfect opportunity to reflect on what I've learned from the interviews to date. So I went back and I reviewed episodes 1 through 12. Having done that, I started to see a lot of common themes or repeated patterns, a lot of great answers from my guests that I didn't fully investigate like I should have, a lot of new questions that arose from the conversation, and a lack of me explaining how and why educators approach curriculum design um, before asking a question. So my biggest realization is just how different the process is between print design and interactive design. While good design fundamentals are key to both, what constitutes a print design fundamental may not apply to interactive design fundamentals or a key fundamental to interactive design such as movement or animation used to reinforce hierarchy doesn't have a print design parallel. So Julia, based on your 15 years of experience, have you seen changes in design fundamentals between those two mediums? Um, The answer um, is a yes and a no. Yes, you have to have fundamentals, the basic understanding of design. Uh, Everything that you're being taught in print, you could easily apply to web. Now, it it changes, it changes. Uh, The approach changes, the process changes, but the the, the, the thinking about design still applies um, in both mediums. Um, uh, one thing we don't think about when we think of web is how it, how it would uh, interpret itself on paper, right? Mm-hmm. But this is a question of production, right? So there are, there are same fundamental questions you would ask. How would it live in intended um, um, use. Um, so in print, you would consider 
the paper, you would consider the technique of printing. In web, you would consider everything associated with web. And today, um, you know, we, we, you know, about 10 years ago, we looked at desktop as our main goal and our different browsers, whether it works and all of them. But today, we're looking at smaller, much smaller devices, uh, the phones. Uh, I, I have to say that I even my, my patterns of um, um, looking at um, consuming information has changed over the past five years. I am um, committed to my to my phone. I, I read, I, I review everything, I respond uh, to everything on on my phone, and it is my um, my my biggest tool right now. So when when we're designing uh, for for print and we're designing for web, we do use very similar uh, design fundamentals, but we do need to change the process a little bit um, and know um, what that end um, product requires in terms of um, uh, final deliverables, um, um, how the users are going to interact with it. Um, oh, go yeah. ahead. Oh, no, no, sorry, Gary, uh, you had a question? No, I just, can you, um, I'm going to jump around because I had a bunch of sure. questions that I wanted to follow up with that first one, but you mentioned the, so the process has changed. Um, can you describe that, that change in the process? Yes. Okay. So when you think of, um, so some things, I want to start by saying what hasn't changed okay. and we'll move on to talking about what has changed. Uh, one of the things that I think has not changed is the um, ID generation, right? So you yes. take to pencil and paper and you sketch out ideas. Um, in, and that is not even, um, it doesn't take any artistic expressions yet. Uh, it takes, uh, it's more about organizing your thought. It's more about writing your ideas down. It's more about organizing it. It's basically an outline. And that takes its form in print and, and web as well. And then you go into the uh, process of, um, um, of figuring out how that content lives in its intended um, um, uh, uh, use. So in print, you would uh, start um, creating wireframes of, you know, Pages, spreads. Um, you know, the, the if the if the idea yeah, how it travels, how it um, how the pagination works, uh, where the highlights um, of of the graphics are happening, how the like the main ideas uh, carried across. In in web, it takes a similar form in wireframes. So again, some of the uh, wireframes do happen in um, on paper, but all of this is very much sketch-like and not quite presentable to client. And I think that uh, very quickly we start sketching, you know, shortly after our uh, thumbnails are formulated on paper, we start sketching in uh, digital tools. Uh, in uh, in print, you, would, uh, you might go into Illustrator, you might go into InDesign. In, um, in web, you actually use Illustrator quite a bit in, in designing our wireframes. So we, we become so proficient in Illustrator that we find um, 
no other tool mimics it, or not, not mimics it, doesn't give us as much freedom as Illustrator does. So we move so quickly through it that all of our wireframes, all of our thinking is done in artboards um, in Illustrator. Um, so we start designing uh, our organization of wireframes in, in Illustrator. Uh, there are sometimes high fidelity, sometimes low fidelity wireframes, the same as um, in print, you just quickly throw content in just to see how um, where it lives. Um, my process of designing for print and designing for web has been very, very similar. I I throw a lot of content on pages just just to figure out where everything lives, and then after all that is present, I start to um, molding it into what I think it should be. Um, after wireframes. Um, we we take into style, um, and I think this um, this approach is called uh, the waterfall uh, mm -hmm. approach, where you go from from A B uh, from step A to B to C to D until you uh, arrive to final. Um, however, in in every step, um, you need to get. Um, um, Experts in so when I when I talk about experts is we are um, a design agency and as a design agency we concentrate on on strategy on design we don't do um, um, development in house we have partners uh, mm -hmm. that produce development um, so it becomes very very important to bring these experts in um, in the planning phases in the wireframing phases and the same goes for print as well when you're designing a print uh, you want to make sure that you are able to fit within the budget of what the client has desired uh, to spend on the project that you can't come up with uh, the most brilliant idea that would cost thousands and thousands of dollars uh, in print and then uh, the client is just not going to go for it. Um, but it's better to realize that much earlier in, um, in your process than later. And that's why some of these um, ideas, uh, some of the uh, uh, um, interactions need to be discussed up front uh, with uh, some of our um, partners, developer partners, to make sure that we are adhering to the budgets, we're adhering to um, the plan uh, for this website. Um, once the skin, um, the skin design has uh, been finalized, the interaction um, components um, have been figured out. Uh, we start um, handing off um, uh, to developer, and it's uh, very. Um, we 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 try to think it's a seamless uh, process, but there's always the back and forth uh, between us, between the client. Um, it is important to make sure that our clients are involved in in the beginning of the process to the end. It's it, it's very much a collaboration. I think of um, when I was younger. I um, I think I, I thought of design a little bit more about. Um, just like the, the artistic expression. Yes, there is an audience. Yes, there is a client, but it is my artistic expression. And I think that that notion has changed in me uh, very, very quickly. I, I realized that I'm much better in team um, thinking and team planning and team execution than I am on my own. And that has um, been across all my work, uh, whether it's brand, um, brand strategy, uh, print, and, and then web. Well, um, 
I love the fact that you you brought up the fact that because I've I'm stealing a quote from Andy Mangold. Um, he basically said, "Design is a team sport," and I, I love the fact that you kind of like touched on you know working in in teams again. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I, I honestly can't think of any other way of uh, doing this today. Um, and there are there are designers who are independent um, and they don't ever want to change, and that's th- that works for them. And um, it's just it's not for me. I don't yeah. think anymore. Yeah, um, I want to follow up on um, that the, the process you did. A, I, thank you. That was like that was a really great like kind of like stepping us us through the process. Um, I want to focus on one little part of it, and it's. It has to do with a struggle that I'm having in the classroom is I came to the realization that I'm spending a lot of time teaching students how to do layouts in HTML and CSS. Mm-hmm. And it's I'm not doing it so they have a basic understanding of HTML and CSS so that they, you know, they can better work with a front end developer. Mm-hmm. I realized I'm teaching them HTML and CSS so they can visualize how a potential design will look on varying screen sizes that I don't that I don't think can be accurately replicated in existing tools like Photoshop or Illustrator. So how how do you do that? I mean, what is your process for like rapid iteration of you know those those compositions so they can so that so they can you can have a critique on what it looks like in you know a mobile view versus a you know large display view Mm -hmm. yeah it's um you know it's it's interesting because in 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 this new way of thinking of how everything looks on uh, on the mobile device uh, we have to really consider this first, uh, just recognizing how my, you know, and I've been in the industry for so long now, um, how my habits of interacting has changed. And uh, we need to to modify how we approach design and starting to think um, from the smallest device first is sometimes very freeing. Um, It's limiting at first, sounds Mm -hmm. like the canvas is way too tiny um you might not have you might not be able to express everything you want to express in in the mm, smaller device but it has helped us to think of um everything small first and then grow it um grow it to a larger a larger screen and and identify midpoints um how they uh, what interpretation they have um so we do not start our work in H. We, we don't do the HTML and CSS in-house. We um, w- this might be limiting um, uh, for some other firms. We found that it works for us well. Um, maybe in the future it will change. I'm, um, but for now, it has worked well where we start to think large and small right away, and. Um, while we're designing, we're we're designing in parallel. Oftentimes, a lot of the thinking needs to happen um, on the fly, right? So you're you think how the composition 
will look on a large screen. And it's a significantly different experience looking at it on a small screen. So right away, uh, uh, you're thinking of a modular system, you're thinking how to, how do you trim the content? Do you eliminate some content? Uh, do you need to have everything on the page? Um, do you hide it? Um, so you're starting to think of, of, um, of um, I don't want to call them tricks, but uh, techniques um, uh, used in, in a smaller uh, canvas. Um, and we found that presenting both of these um, uh, uses um, helps our client understand how it would live. We no longer think of one. We need to right away think of um, multiple. Have you started or have you thought about, I mean, there's a proliferation of tools like Sketch and Envision and Adobe is now, you know, just had the big announcement. We're, you know, coming up with Comet. Um, have you investigated any of these tools for coming up with those those visual comps? Yeah, yeah. We um, So once our um, designs have been uh, figured out, the thinking has been figured out, and yeah. we have um, put it together, it uh, could be a very rough um, layout, we do take it into Envision. Um, nothing compares um, in presentation when you are looking at almost – uh, live in a browser window in an experience uh, that you meant to have um, and we have been using um, Envision um, I think that there are many other tools out there yeah. that have been um, highly praised and I think you know most recently um, there's um, I, I do you know the work of uh, Koi Vin? Uh, yes. Yes. That's, that's how I found you, kind of. <laughs> oh, you did? Okay, yeah. thanks. Uh, yeah, so, so there's a designer's toolbox survey that Koi put together, and it is a looking into um, what tools designers use today. And it's, it was so interesting to, to, to see how people are using uh, various tools and it really piqued my interest in certain ones that I wasn't aware of at all. Um, in going into this project, we, I, you know, I, I didn't know anything about UX PIN, had mm -hmm. no idea. Um, apparently, it's not a very uh, popular tool. There's only, based on, um, uh, on, the, on the design uh, tool survey, there's only one percent of people using it. Um, I found it very surprising that Keynote is being used for wireframes. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard of people using it. I just, I always think of Keynote as a more of a presentation tool, but mm -hmm. it is so intuitive. Then why not? Why not to try to, if you have something to show, uh, a quick transition, why shouldn't you use a, a Keynote? That's totally acceptable. Um, so yeah, there are, there are so many, and we've I've, I've toyed with Sketch before. Um, I found that it was a little clunky for me. Mm -hmm. um, I've done Omnigraph uh, before, also. Yeah, the fluency we have an Illustrator. Yeah. Yeah, everything else pales. Everything else pales in comparison. Yeah, and that, and I think that's well to 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 back that well to back that up. I mean, I'm. Well, there's okay. I have two questions on there, and and the first one is again. So I'm teaching HTML and CSS, and mm -hmm. so like the fundamental, like I'm teaching HTML and CSS not so they can be front end coders, but that that transition, that animation. I don't know how else to get them 
to be able to visualize, you know, how, how do you teach, how do you have, how do you show a client or how do you show a developer uh, an animation, a transition Yeah. when the, none of these tools really are rock solid at doing it yet? At least I don't think, at least maybe they are and I'm just behind the times. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I think it's if uh, the students are um, savvy enough to put together their um, animation in HTML and CSS, that's wonderful. Um, uh, but I think that as an idea of, mm-hmm. of animation could be, um, could be shown in various uh, ways. And I think there is, um, you could leave a, a room for interpretation in every step, uh, just enough. You, um, you know, when I guide our, um, my, our designers, um, you can't prescribe um, too much. You want to leave some room for exploration. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it goes the same for developers. You want to show what the intent is, but how to get there. You want them to figure it out um, oh. and we found that um, when we're designing and there's a certain animation tran- transition that we are keen on we either have a, a sample we saw it somewhere or if we didn't come across a sample we'd animate it um, uh, uh, th- with um, After Effects yeah. um, we might uh, animate in you know Kino whatever tool you think would work for you to get your idea across. Um, I think um, that's all that matters. Uh, the only, I think, issue um, I take is what, how quickly you could get to that yes. uh, idea. That's what I think becomes really, really important. And if the programming, the HTML and CSS is the way you could get there, wonderful. If there are other ways um, and tools that you have used, by all means, use them. Yeah. And that is, my, so that right there is the key. And that's my struggle in a curriculum. I mean, to teach somebody who has no prior knowledge of HTML and CSS enough so they can get proficient enough to create an animation so they then can critique it, refine it, takes a tremendous amount of time. And so that yeah. to teach a student. So then that makes me have to go back and sacrifice something. And so that's what I'm struggling with. Yeah. But what, what I like about you teaching the uh, this is that what happens in college is your, it's kind of your playground, right? Mm-hmm. You are figuring stuff out. You're learning. You're, you're very young still. You, you enter college when you're 18, you graduate when you're 21, 22. Um, you are still a young individual. So you have a whole lot to figure out. And the more exposure you have to various tools, uh, you might find yourself um, taking it further. And if you don't have this exposure, uh, you might um you might never get to it. And it, it, I think that's the that's why the four-year college experience is so incredibly important. There is a lot of playing around and figuring out you have to do. And I do like that you're teaching this. Um, um, I don't know if animation is um, introducing uh, students to HTML and CSS uh, through animation is 
the only way of introducing them to it. But I think it's kind of the funnest thing that people could relate to quickly, right? Yeah. Well, I, I yeah, personal bias, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I. Um, but I, I have to say that a lot of our uh, designers uh, who are working on 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 web design today, they they never coded HTML, right? They never. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a basic understanding of it, um, but they're still doing the work. Um, they're still. Um, they're still understanding what needs to be done. The, the, the big picture: what needs to be done to get to the final. And they're using other tools to get there. And I think that's, that's kind of like the human nature of yeah. adjusting to the needs and um, professional needs. So um, this is a good segue into some other questions that I, I, I sure. wanted to ask. But the first one is, um, for me, it's that balance. And so I'm, I'm frustrated that I don't feel that I'm teaching I'm not spending enough time teaching on on how to design for interactions. Rather, I'm teaching I'm spending more time teaching all the different tool variations so they can create something. And then by the time they're ready to create something that we could critique, I'm out of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and so I'm I'm guessing from maybe your perspective what would be the ideal for you? Would you rather have somebody who can like, would you, I mean, I have to offload something. Um, right. So would you rather deal with a student that maybe their 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 visual acuity is not up to snuff, but they can get in there and they can start working or vice versa? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is interesting because I sh- struggle with this myself. Um, I tell you why. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that um, when when we get students, young young designers coming in from just graduating, becoming interns, or so while they're in, in college, being interns, they are being taught skills. And because they're still very young, I don't know if they entirely formed some of other. Um, some of the other basic skills of critical thinking, um, ability to express their thoughts. And we get different kinds of students as as a result. And I think that um, everyone has um, strengths, right? And Mm -hmm. some students gravitate a lot more towards um, uh, the visual and the nuance of design, and others gravitate to understanding the tool so well and then they're they'll it'll take them time to craft their skill their uh, the aesthetics um mm-hmm. i i think that what happens is that by by the time they graduate they all have different skill sets and um i think what is important for me um is an when an individual comes through our doors is that they are intelligent they're smart and they're critical thinkers. They are able to design well. Um, 
uh, and this comes with an understanding that you need to grow in all all of the all of this. So sometimes we feel like mm, presentation skills are lacking. Oh, then yeah. we start crafting. We're starting to ask these students, uh, the young designers, to present more, to express um, their ideas more in a, um, a studio-wide critique. Um, if they're uh, if they're if they're not um, as um, as skilled in some of our tools, you know, maybe it's Photoshop, Illustrator, whatever, um, we start giving them projects that are a little more um, application specific. For example, mm -hmm. if someone is not as well versed in Illustrator, we'll give them. 200 icons to design yeah. you know that's um and you will very quickly know <laughs> how how to to move around illustrator uh, and how to get it uh, get that to work you know someone else um might have had a very rigorous academic um background but their aesthetic is not as well developed well with a few more projects, you will start to figure out what you, you get the guidance from mm -hmm. um, the creative directors, art directors, to figure out what isn't working. And yes, you know what, what's important, and what I kind of didn't realize when I was still in college, um, is there's there's room for every single person in this marketplace. Mm -hmm. um, those who are very very strong visual designers will find a spot, but those who are maybe not as strong as uh, on the visual um, aspect of the spectrum, um, they might find more, um, uh, uh, they might, might find themselves more in a strategy component of the cre creative phase. Mm -hmm. There, there are so many um, opportunities in this design, um, in the design field. So I, um, I understand your struggle, but different students will take differently to different, um, um, they'll, they'll absorb differently. Um, I think what's important is to provide them with variety. Yeah. Um, so they, as they're growing, as they're becoming older, understand what they're gravitating towards more. No, that, that makes perfect sense. I never stopped and thought about that, that, that they're going to find there, there is a niche for them and that they're, they have, you know, they just need to find that niche. So niche. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Uh, and it'll take a little while, right? Yeah. I think uh, through your 20s, you're kind of lost. Heck, you know, yeah. you go through life, you could be, uh, but that, that that's the, the pursuit of knowledge, right? The constant curiosity, yeah. figuring out what is, what is that my next step? Where am I? Asking these questions. These are good questions to ask throughout your professional life. Yeah, we should actually do that a little bit more <laughs> in education because we get so caught up in let's make this project that we don't stop to like, you know, re at least I don't feel I stop enough to reinforce it. Like, you know, you need, well, here, let me rephrase that. I do tell them like, you know, you should be learning this. You should be learning that in, in addition to what I'm teaching in the classroom, but I don't enforce it. You know, I don't put in a mechanism that it, you know, it, it becomes ingrained in their like a daily process i guess yeah um so you know i just realized that we're coming up on time so there's 
uh, one question that I wanted to ask um, before I let you go, since and it, it it's kind of what we've already been talking about, and I've asked this question before, um, and with varying answers or non-answers, and that's like, what type of work in a student's portfolio gives you the best indication that we that they will be successful as an interactive designer at um, your agency? Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's most, um, I think my answer is going to be very similar to how a lot of uh, professionals answer this. Um, I think when when I get uh, an inquiry or application, the very, very first thing I do is I read that email. I glance at it. I, mm-hmm. uh, it needs to be very short, snippy, um, and give me a sense of who you are why you think you're a good fit for, for Hyperact. Um, and um, I will look at your perf- uh, resume. The resume will be, I understand that young designers might not have a lot, whole lot of experience, but I'll look at things like, how is it put together? What are your hobbies? Uh, what, um, what, what were the most exciting classes to you? If you end up putting it on your resume, that, that's great. I also think that if you end up doing a whole lot of internships, I think it's a big plus. I think it's important for for um, for me to see that you had other work experiences in professional settings because you are not only being judged on on your skill, on your aesthetic, um, but you also uh, how well you are were versed in a professional field, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I understand the students have a whole lot of pretending to do. It's kind of like fake it until you make it. I want to encourage them and tell them that it never stops. <laughs> you have to fake it all the time uh, because you can't. If you are curious, you're definitely dealing with issues that you've never dealt before. You will be learning, and when you are learning, you are selling these ideas to clients, and ultimately, you are. Um, you're faking it until you're figuring it out, until you finally figure it out, and then you move on. So then, then the the the, the last uh, uh, component once my, you know once yeah. my interest was piqued in in the uh, in in the email uh, cover letter uh, a resume, I'll look at the work. Right, the, it has to be part of the link. I prefer. Um, Today, um, there's no excuse for you to send a PDF. I think it's better to, there's so many tools out there to yep. put website. I, you don't have to code the website. You could just use a service, pay for it, uh, or, or maybe get a free one. I don't care. I just want to see your work online. And what I, um, I'm looking for is a breadth of work um, to give me a sense of, um, have you done some branding projects and how they these brands uh, move on to being um, uh, in their in their online environment? And mm-hmm. it could be mockups. I want to make sure that um, those who are applying for these positions think of presentations. Um, a very polished presentation is a reflection of you. It's a reflection of how how proud you are of your work and i think it's a incredibly important for you to spend the time documenting your work documenting your process mm-hmm. knowing how to talk about your process 
it almost does not matter what exactly your process is, is how you showcase it, how you think about it and how you speak about it is what I count. And I want to see, I, I want to have a glimpse into your, uh, into your head, into your process, into your ideas. Um, so portfolios, I oftentimes look at um, just thumb, oftentimes there are th thumbs of, uh, uh, of, of people's work and that sometimes gives me just enough of a sense together with the resume, together with just how the page is put together, what, what service you end up using uh, in putting this page together. Um, and then I'll click on a one or two projects. Um, I'll click on branding project, I'll click on interactive project. Um, um, I no longer click, uh, click on print projects because I do think that we evolved. Um, mm -hmm. um, there's just no pressing need for print as much as it was a decade ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah, once once I get a good um, uh, um, holistic picture of, of, of the work you submitted, um, I, I'm fully informed. And then there is a... Um, there's a, an interview, right? Nothing mm -hmm. beats an in-person meeting, oh, of right? Course. And that is very, very good for, for designers. Get these um, information interviews almost. Don't come in for a prof professional interview. I think that might be scary. Um, uh, oftentimes, I think uh, people might not, they might not consider you for a position, but they will certainly give you an, an for, uh, information interview where they'll just share what is expected, um, how the company works, uh, what are the opportunities for a young designer. And I think that's a good foot in the door for a young designer. Start, or start when you're maybe a sophomore. Even if you're not sure where you're going, start internships. Start Limit yourself to three... Um, three months of an internship um, and jump around. You'll learn different approaches. You'll learn, you'll learn about different processes. You'll learn how to work with different people. Um, you'll figure out what you like and don't like. And it will help you become a better professional. You'll learn what not to do. If you clearly mm -hmm. see things are not working, that's an, a good experience. Um, um, you well, might find mentors in the process, right? The, what school offers is wonderful. It's a wonderful playpen, but what happens in professional world is a little different. And having these exposures are really wonderful for young uh, professionals. Yeah. And you know, I, I just want to comment on the, I, I cannot stress to students enough when we're, I'm telling them to make a portfolio site or I'm telling them to make their resume, any of the, any, any of that material that they're going to hand off, I try to explain to them that when you're applying for a job, you're not applying for a senior level position. The person hiring you knows you are a student. Be a student. Be, <laughs> be proud of that. Don't try to put, don't try to make yourself look like something that you're not because they'll see right through it and they just are so scared that they just can't you know it's just we have to throw everything at it because they're so scared it's well i think they shouldn't say straight out i am a student yeah, right? yeah. i think that it goes um as a, a bit of an undercurrent uh when you're young you're just graduating you're looking at your graduate i i always check uh the graduation year of a mm -hmm. student um just to get a sense because um 
no matter how skilled you are when you're entering the field if you have no work experience you're a junior designer you are just starting out you have so much to learn about the um, other aspects of uh, being a professional um, I think it's important to sell yourself yeah. as as a, as a as a professional um, I don't think you should hide that you're a student yeah, exactly. but you should you shouldn't necessarily advertise it yeah. either. You shouldn't say in your biography, you're a student at such and such university or such and such art school, because by the time you're graduating, you're no longer a student. Yeah. You have graduated. Yeah. Well, they, they try to cover up their lack of experience. Um, how so? How um, are they? Like, for example, they, um, I see a lot of, like, they'll put, and okay, you know what? Maybe this isn't bad. Um, but I, for a, let's say a portfolio website, mm -hmm. um, they, instead of just putting their design pieces, they're starting to put in like everything. It's a kitchen sink approach because they're not, it, it almost feels like they're not confident in their design skills. Mm -hmm. So they want to put in photography pieces. They want to put in, um, if they took a pottery class, they'll put in pottery pieces. They'll like throw in everything to make themselves, to try to brand themselves. I see. As this like expert or this, you know, like I, it's. Yes. Yes. I yeah. understand okay. what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you have to edit out. You have to curate your work really yes. well. And you might not be the best judge of it either. Right. So you have to get a, that's. Um, the teamwork that you have to adhere. It's not about you. You know how sometimes people in during photo shoots, um, um, people who are being photographed should not be judging the best photograph, the best <laughs> portrait of themselves. Yes. Um, and the same thing goes here. You should not be the, the best judge of this. Someone else need to needs to help you in, whether it's a professor or a friend or someone in a profession. You need to um, you need to be open to asking for help. Um, and knowing how to do it, so you know it not it doesn't become creepy. It doesn't mm -hmm. um, it doesn't it's not too imposing. Uh, but you really need help, and uh, and people in the profession realize that they they kind of know it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, editing is important. It's a skill also to to, to be <laughs> to be studied. Yeah, and and it comes just out of a sense of like you know nervousness because they don't feel like they are the expert in what they do. So they try to mask that by any, any, any means necessary. They'll, they'll go through that. So. Anyway. I, I, yeah. I think sometimes uh, better to concentrate on one project and yeah. really walk the viewer um, through the process mm -hmm. instead of putting their pottery or photography. I think that becomes important somewhere else. Yeah. But if it's not honed in, it's not as useful. Yeah. Not center stage, but at a nice little byline somewhere down at the very bottom that you know that it, it just shows their personality if it's center interest. But okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I love seeing people's hobbies. I absolutely love it because it gives me a sense mm -hmm. that you're not a design robot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I really want to know how many languages you speak. I really want to know if you are into, you know, sports, uh, what kind of sports. I, you know, I, I don't know. It gives me a glimpse into your character a little more. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's important. So, um, Julia, before I let you go, 
Is there anything you are working on, um, you are, or her hypercat, um, you would like to hyperact? Oh, I can't believe I did that. Oh, um, no problem. <laughs> like to share or something you want to promote? Uh, sure, yeah. There's one uh, project uh, that we started last year uh, that's been um, ongoing and kind of interesting for the design community. Mm -hmm. uh, we started a project called um, On the Grid. It is a, a neighborhood guide. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a neighborhood guide um, curated by designers uh, in various cities across the world. And we started this project when we were moving from one office um, in Carroll Gardens in Brooklyn, which is a very residential neighborhood, to a completely different neighboring neighbor uh, neighboring um uh neighborhood um but very very industrial called gowanus when we moved into that neighborhood we had no idea what's going on and how exciting this neighborhood is so we we started thinking okay well where are we gonna go for lunch where we're we gonna go explore this neighborhood and we started one of our designers um started collecting um uh, um, locations, figuring out, uh, you know, what 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 would be a cool place to put down on a map uh, mm -hmm. for our neighborhood, and from there was born the idea of on the grid. Uh, we put it together. We launched it as a uh, Gowanus um, neighborhood first, and um, we approached a couple of design studios, uh, friends of ours, and asked, "Do you want to curate your own neighborhood?" Uh, they said yes. And very, very quickly, over you know a number of months, uh, it exploded. Uh, there are now about I'm sorry, 380 neighborhoods um, uh, in. Oh, I'm 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 sure I'm gonna uh, get the number of cities wrong, but our goal is to uh, get up to 100 cities uh, worldwide. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there are ambassadors now for every city. They they know the local community really well, and so they are um, asking people to curate their neighborhoods. And it becomes this kind of uh, a guide uh, for uh, a design traveler. Um, so anywhere in the world, I was recently in London for the first time. I had nowhere. I, I didn't know where to go. Where would designers go? And I got in touch with the ambassador uh, uh, there. Um, interestingly called hyper kit <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, they pointed me to a couple of cool spots at that point uh, the neighborhood uh, um, uh, the city wasn't launched yet so it was not available online but uh, it's it becomes this community of designers a community of uh, people and that to me is so incredibly exciting um, I I I we, um, I think, uh, as designers, we're social creatures, and having this uh, um, a community uh, um, is very, very important. And we we find that to be um, a really, you know, fundamental need um, in in our profession. And so now I'm I'm really excited when I travel that I could reach out to any um, to any design team. Well ambassador design team mm -hmm. um and 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 get uh, pointers uh to where to go yeah i'm actually really excited about the project and i i a while ago i was looking at it and i saw that you know i was i moved to baltimore and i was like oh you know baltimore should be on here and then i was like you know what i couldn't come i wanted to apply i to be an ambassador and i was like i you know i just didn't 
I just knew that I didn't have the time commitment. Yeah, no, it takes, definitely takes a commitment, but you really, um, you, you are really becoming part of the community. And that's yeah. to me is really one and really getting to know the neighborhood and really uh, going from, you know, you're working on global brands, you're working on um, uh, with clients who are dealing with global issues. And now you're getting down to the ground to the people who are in your neighborhood. I think that kind of scale uh, is is exciting to to be connected from 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 the kind of the um, professional to to kind of um, with your hands kind of walking around photographing and documenting your neighborhood. To me, it's kind of cool. Yeah. What's the URL on that? So there's people listening to it. Sure. Can it up. It's on the grid dot city. Okay. And then you could navigate to your city. All right. Well, and so are there any, is it self-sustaining at this point or are there any things, anything new coming out of it? Uh, well, uh, so uh, on the, on the grid is part of our, what we call hyper labs projects yeah. and these are all self-initiated projects um some uh, these projects uh, don't have um a revenue generation yeah. um and it's entirely based on on donated time volunteering um uh, but uh we hope down the line there might be corporate sponsorships uh, mm. that will allow us to, um, to develop it further, to invest more time. Right now we're sponsoring yeah. the development of it and uh, thank goodness for generous support from the design community who are willing to devote that time. But it's an incredible amount of time. Um, and we're not able to compensate people for it, nor is it meant to, to do that. But what we hope down the line that we can get some funding to maybe design an app or um, uh, be able to improve the website or maybe go back to some uh, locations and maybe um, edit a copy with a professional editor. You can just kind of polish some yeah. of the stuff that uh, we couldn't get to, to do without the right amount of money so is it self-sustaining right now um right now yes because of uh, the general support of the design community oh that's fantastic all right well that's all we have time for today on episode 13 of design edu today um, i want to thank today's guest julia zeltzer of hyperact for being so generous with her time i want to thank the audience for listening and I want to thank the Design EDU Today hosting sponsor, DigitalOcean, and CDN sponsor, Fastly, for making the hosting and distribution of these podcasts possible. Finally, I want to thank the AIGA and the AIGA Design Educators community for their generous support of my research that led to this podcast series. If you want to discover more about the Design EDU Today podcast and read the session notes and transcripts, visit us on the web at designedu.today. You can follow us on Twitter at Design EDU today, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to this podcast through the iTunes Store. Thank you for listening to Design EDU today.